Hi and welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast, where we talk all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller Anderson. I am a counselor, coach, survivor, and author of the book, I Believe You. If this is your first time listening, know that you will hear me refer to the narcissist as a he, but this is just for ease of telling my personal story, which is about my now ex-husband, but narcissists can be both male and female. And if you have any questions regarding what I mean when I talk about a narcissist, I encourage you to go back and listen to episodes one and two for further clarification. Be sure to follow the podcast to have episodes automatically added for you to listen to as they come out, and also so you never miss one of the bonus episodes. And if you have friends or family who are struggling with narcissistic abuse, or are just willing to learn about and understand your experience, please share the show with them, because spreading awareness and understanding are so important. And if you have found the information on the show to be at all helpful, or you can see how it would be helpful to someone else in any stage in their healing, go on and leave a review for the show. It helps us get out there and better show up in search results. And that gets recovery information out there so more people who need it can find it. And it increases the spread of awareness and increases the knowledge of some of the great charities that are helping to take these matters seriously and helping to free those trapped in this vicious cycle. There's a link on this episode to allow anyone who can to donate to these great programs. And if you aren't in a place where you have time or money to help out, that's okay because most of us have the time and resources to share the show or to go on and leave a five-star review of the podcast, which will in turn help out those in need. Remember how lost you felt in the beginning of this all. Let's help get the show out there to those who are looking for answers and support. A lot of times, all we have is each other and our support matters. Today we have a very special and touching episode. You may be triggered by the content, so be prepared. We're going to be discussing the victims of narcissistic abuse that get overlooked the most. The ones who may in fact be more isolated than any others. The ones without a voice and no way to gain the level of understanding that will help them work through what the hell just happened in their lives. The ones who were or are truly clueless and helpless in this experience, and very likely the ones who, although may or may not be the main target of the narcissist's abuse, have still likely given up more than anyone else, who may have given up an integral part of their development. We will be talking about the children who live in the home where the narcissistic abuse is occurring, including a touching interview with 13-year-old Delaney where you can hear her words describing what it was like to watch her mother be abused by her narcissistic stepfather for more than half of her life and how it has affected her to this day. Stay tuned. So I'm not alone on the show today. We have a guest, 13-year-old Delaney. Delaney has a very interesting perspective on the topic of narcissistic abuse because she got to witness it from the inside, but from a child's perspective. In many ways, she's had to help pick up the pieces left behind after this ordeal. And in many, many ways, 
She's had to mature far beyond her years to process what was happening in her home and in her life. Delaney is a bright, beautiful young girl. She has two other siblings in her home, an older brother and a younger sister, and is close with her mother as her mother was mostly a single mom throughout Delaney's life. When Delaney was five years old, her mother met and married her stepfather. They are now divorced. In speaking with Delaney, I can gather that in the beginning, they all seemed to really like her stepfather. In fact, her mother checked in with her and her siblings often to be sure that they were okay with him entering their lives, and they saw no problem with it. This acceptance of him is certainly not part of the impression I get from her now. Hi, Delaney. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hi. So, what can you tell me about your mom? Mm, she's really nice and she's really cool and she's just, she's fun to hang out with. You've mostly lived with just your mom and your siblings and nobody else, right? Mom was a single mom for most of your life? Yeah. Are you guys close? Well, yeah, I guess, I guess we're close. So, I know it's probably not easy to remember everything about when you were just five years old, which is how old you were when your mom first met your stepdad, but what do you remember about when your mom first met your stepfather? Well, when she first met him, he was super nice, and we all loved him, and he was like, like the best guy ever. He was amazing. Do you remember kind of how your life changed? when he first came into your life? I mean, you'd been just you and your mom and your siblings for... It, it, it changed a lot, actually, because, like, we had somebody brand new. It's like, like, if you were getting, like, a new animal or something, like, it, your house just, like, completely changes. And it, it got a lot more fun, actually, because he would, like, do a bunch of cool stuff with us, and he'd take us to go do all, all these cool things and see all this cool stuff, and he was really cool. So what kind of things do you remember about the entire period, which was really half of your life? Because from the time that you were five until you were 11? Yeah. 11? Um, you, you lived in the same home with your mom and your stepdad. So what do you remember about that life while he was there and part of your life? Well, when he was there at the beginning, again, it was really cool. And he was like that for like two years. He was really nice and he did all this super cool stuff with us. And then one day he just kind of, he started to change and he started to yell more and he started kind of being more mean and he started doing all this different stuff and he didn't do as much stuff with us as he used to um, or take us to do anything. and. And then it slowly got worse and worse and worse up until a point where he was the worst human being alive and we wanted nothing to do with him. And he would he would do stuff like he would start screaming at himself. Like he would just start yelling and screaming for absolutely no reason whatsoever. And and then he would call the cops for no reason whatsoever. And the cops would show up and they'd be like, what's happening? And we would have nothing to tell them because absolutely nothing would have happened. He just started screaming and called the cops. 
and um, he just he started like taking money and like doing all this horrible stuff and there were times like where he would take all of our money and we wouldn't have um, money left to like pay the bills and stuff and there were times where we didn't even have electricity in our house because he took all the money to go do God knows what with um, he he got so bad up to a point where he couldn't be left home alone with us and our mom had to um, stop going to work and she had to come and like work from home and stay with us during the day because um, he couldn't be left home alone with us and he he was just he got horrible really fast and it was it was bad so when this stuff was happening were you having talks with your mom what was what was your mom and you and your siblings talking about with regards to what was going on in the house and how things were changing well yeah we talked to our mom and she would tell us stuff like well they don't know what was wrong with him and they don't know why he was acting that way but he was obviously mentally ill and um he just that's what he was and we had to deal with it and we had talks with our mom where we would say like we want him gone and she would say she was trying but she couldn't like just leave him and like yeah how do you feel about your stepfather now is do you have contact with him does he come into your life do you um do you think about him is he just something that tell me about you know, when you hear his name, what does it make you think now? Now, I think he is a big piece of crap. He is a jerk, and I don't like him. And my mom doesn't like him. Um, my siblings, they don't like him. He's just so mean. And I, I haven't seen him since we left him. It's been, like, two years, almost three years. Um, it sounds like there was... Um, a lot of confusing um, behaviors going on in the house with him screaming and you didn't know why. Um, was there anything that was particularly mean to you kids about what he was screaming about or, or any of his behaviors or was there you know, physically abusive behaviors? Anything that was directed at you or your siblings? Well, he wouldn't like, he wouldn't directly be like, like just start hitting us for no reason but he would kind of just start yelling at us for no reason like if he had like a bad day or something he would just come home and start yelling at us like we were his easiest targets he could just yell at us and that's kind of what he did whenever he wanted he just yelled at us was this something that your mom um was aware of yeah um our mom was very aware of it and she actually told him that he wasn't allowed to punish us anymore because for a while he was allowed to like discipline us when we did something wrong but he wasn't allowed to um, anymore because he would just start disciplining us for no reason because he would just be mad and he would do it out of his own anger so he wasn't allowed to anymore. Do you feel like the way he was with you is that the same way he was with your mom or were the dynamics between him and your mom different was the fighting different did he just scream at her for no reason and that's kind of what you saw go on between the two of them or did he get physical with your mom or did he do other mean things to your mom what kind of dynamics did you see and what in his behavior change and the things that he was doing that that made him a jerk in the house was it the same between him and your mom than it was between him and you guys 
Well, he yelled at my mom a lot, but I think he might have actually yelled at her a little more than he yelled at us, but he, I think he did other stuff, but I'm not really sure because sometimes my mom would cry and stuff, and we never really cried about it, so I think he might have done a little more to her, but I don't really know. So you, f- you feel like maybe there was some stuff going on behind closed doors that wasn't in front of you that you guys weren't privy to? I'm kind of sure of it because they they would just like randomly be in their room and like talking and then all of a sudden you would hear him yell and he was like, ah, and then um, my, my mom would, would like yell back at him and then it would just be over like that and then it would just go so quiet and... Yeah, that just, that went on. What kind of things did you and your brother and sister talk about when this was happening? Did you guys ever try to guess what was happening or wonder even to yourself or or amongst, you know, in discussion with each other about what was happening? Or is this something you just learned to ignore and didn't really worry about? Well, we would normally just ignore it, but there would be like sometimes where he would start yelling really, really loud and we would kind of all go to my brother's room and we'd all just kind of sit there um, on his bed and like talk about like what was probably happening in there and but no most of the time it was just like normal yelling and we were used to it and we really didn't think anything of it we were just like oh there he goes again so were these ever instances that made you worry about what was happening to your mom behind closed doors I mean sometimes because Sometimes she really did just seem defeated and was just like, I'm, I'm done. Like, I just, I'm so done with this. And she would really just seem so out of it, but not all the time, just sometimes. So there was no concern that he was going to hurt your mom or something like that? No. Do you... Do you feel like there was ever a time that you got in the middle of things? That you tried to intervene between the two of them fighting? Not me, but my siblings. What would they do? Well, there was one time where they were fighting, and my brother was, like, yelling at them, and he's like, you guys need to stop. And, because, like, my little sister was freaking out, because she was, like, really little at the time. I think she was, like, two or three, and it was scaring her, but... That happened very rarely. So, I heard that sometimes you still have dreams um, where he comes back home or where your mom shows back up and he's back in your life. Can you tell me about those a little bit? Yeah, those are horrible. I have these dreams where my mom comes back home and she's nice to him and she's like, this is him, um, like, he's your dad again here bam and then like moves him back into the house and it's like the worst nightmare you could possibly have it is horrible and I know my mom would never bring him back home because he was horrible and did horrible things but it's just I don't know why I have those dreams they're horrible so it's left you with some anxiety it's left you with some worry do you think there's a small small part of you that, that really worries that he'll actually show up? Or do you think it's your mind just dealing with how much you know you don't want him there? I, I kind of have a little fear, like, deep down. 
that like in like a little part of me is like okay but what if he does like show up again like there's a chance he could just show up one day and he could just stay there forever and it it kind of like makes me shake and gives me chills but I think most of it is just me worrying because the chances of him ever like just coming back and staying aren't aren't very big some of the things you talk about that he did kind of regularly in the home, the things that made him a jerk, do you feel like his behavior was all out in the open where he just kind of did it in front of everybody? Or was there anything that he did to you or said to you or any way that he acted that you saw that you feel like was hidden from other people? What's the worst thing that you think he did? Um, he cheated on my mom a few times, actually. And I don't that that was pretty bad and he he wasn't like that he wasn't like that kind of person in front of like his friends and stuff he was a nice person who loved his wife who did things every weekend with his kids but he wasn't like that in real life he was the kind of person that would that would he just he wasn't like that at all so he was faking you feel like he was putting on a show Who'd, yeah but he wasn't faking for you guys because you were aware of it and he wasn't faking for your mom so who was he faking for his friends and like his people at his work and yeah so you feel like in your house you guys got to see a side of him that nobody else saw yeah big time do you feel like if you were to tell your story people would believe you if it was only you guys who saw it i mean we did tell people we we told people sometimes, but they, they looked at us like we were kind of crazy. Like, they, they were like, mm -mm, he's nice, he's a nice guy, he would never do that. But they were wrong. They, they didn't live there with him. That's terrible that nobody believed your story. Can you think of um, any particular time that you guys tried to tell your story, or it was important that you felt like your story get out there, but you weren't believed? Um... Well, there was this one time we went to a courthouse because we were trying to get an order of protection. So, um, because we didn't feel safe around him, he he just he wasn't very safe. And we went there, and they turned us down because they thought we were crazy because he seemed so nice and he had like no bad background. Like it was, they just they didn't do it. It was bad. What was that like for you guys and for your mom, knowing that that not only did friends and some of the people he knew not believe you, but people that are supposed to protect you, people that you were counting on to, to, to hear your side of the story and, and help you feel safe. What was it like for you guys? It was bad. Like when we walked out of the courtroom after they had denied us, my mom was actually crying because she knew how unsafe he was and that we weren't safe and it was it was just really bad like that's the best word I can use to describe all of this it's just bad do you ever think about getting married no I no <laughs> I I've like said since I was little I'm not getting married like I don't want to get married ever in my life it's just not for me when you think of now, though, you're getting older, right? You're 13. You might be, in the next three or four years, you're going to, you know, at least be considering dating. 
what do you think now that you've seen a relationship from this side now that you've seen a, a relationship that even as you describe it was all bad what what does it make you think about dating in the future um I guess just like don't trust people like just I don't know because he was so nice at first and anyone can just be so nice at first and then they can just like completely change so I don't know what's your plan what do you think you'll do to make sure that you find somebody who's not pretending or that so that you know that you're gonna be safe what's your plan for when you start to be in relationships maybe I could like just kind of be normal with them and then like the second they they show something that's different than like what they first let on and like completely different you could just say I'm sorry this isn't gonna work because like you could break up with them because if you catch it at first maybe it won't go as bad as it did like it'll like you could just end it and then find someone who's not fake I think that's a great answer I think you're wise beyond your years you know what that's called that's called developing boundaries and being and being alert to what the red flags might be and so if you are aware of what your boundaries are and your boundaries are something that say here's what I'm willing to put up with and here's what I'm not right that's how you build boundaries and yeah. um, and red flags are something that alerts you to the fact that this might be something that goes against one of your boundaries and if you're able to see those red flags and then say to yourself I'm sticking by my boundaries and I will not tolerate this type of behavior or something that makes me feel uncomfortable or something that's not right for me and I'm saying no to it and I'm walking away from it then that is you honoring your boundaries so I think that you're headed in the right direction already you're wise beyond your years thank you you're welcome do you have anything else you wanna you wanna say um I don't know I think I think I've said Oh, I need to say. <laughs> okay, well, your mom is lucky to have you as as part of her support team, and I I really I really thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. Okay. Thank you. Keep in mind that Delaney likely doesn't know every grisly detail of what her mother's relationship with the narcissist entailed. If you have children. You know how much you shield your children from all that is toxic. Also, know that Delaney is offering a perspective from a child's view, with the information that she has at hand, and the maturity level she has in order to interpret the events in the way that made sense to her. Her memories are likely not 100% accurate and will likely be lacking some insight, but they still give us an idea of what it felt like for her how she justified it in her mind so that she could cope with it, and how she sees things happening from a semi-shielded angle in the home where this insidious abuse is occurring. Children are actually much more astute than they're given credit for, and they certainly pick up energy in the home, especially when there's negative or very concerning energy in the home. If you're in a place where you're digging through the confusion, if you're in a place where you're trying to make the hard decisions, where you're trying to make those decisions to get away from the abuse, to make a better life, to find your peace again, and you have children in the home, please take into consideration that there's no possible way to completely shield your children 
from the abuse that a household feels from a narcissist. And if you have children, take that as one extra motivating factor in all of your considerations to get away from this situation and to free yourself from the abuse. Do it for you, do it for your kids. You all deserve safety and you all deserve peace in life. As always, you can find more support on Facebook or Instagram at I Believe Your Abuse. You can find support, including resources for meetings, support groups, and professionals who specialize in narcissistic abuse if you visit IBelieveYourAbuse.com. And this list is a work in progress. I'll be adding to this list as I locate information. So if you're aware of any therapists or support groups that should be on the list, send us an email and I can add them. You can also find a link to our shop. Did you know that I Believe Your Abuse raises funds nationwide to assist victims in relocation, healing, and education services? And also to raise awareness not only for narcissistic abuse, but to help raise awareness in the criminal justice system with regards to emotional abuse. And you can support this cause by purchasing from our shop. So please go check it out. You can also send in comments, request for a specific topic to be addressed on the show, or share your survivor story by sending an email to ibelieveyourabuse at gmail.com. Until next time, own your truth. Never stop telling your story. I believe you. Thank you.